What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. JiggyJaguar.com. Of course, akpatchauthor.com is Alan's official website. Check that out today. And uh, today's topic is Einstein's brain. And uh, we explore many different subjects on this segment with our good old friend, author Alan K. Patch. But today we're going to delve into the scientific macabre. We're going to talk about one of the most brilliant persons ever, Albert Einstein, his early life, and what happened to his brain. Now, Alan, uh, what inspired Albert as a boy to be interested in science? Let's start there, my friend. Well, you know, uh, this is one of the most important persons in history, in recent history at least, Jiggy. Uh, and so, it, you know, we should look at this uh, situation where, you know, what got him interested in science early on, and, in, and I'll also maybe draw a lesson for parents uh, from his upbringing, and then we'll kind of go into uh, a little bit of his career, but not deep into the science, Jiggy, because it gets very complicated. It'll take a whole yes. day to talk about. That. Oh my God! It would take uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would take more time than we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot of coffee and uh, maybe uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, and then we'll talk about what happened to his brain. But yeah, Albert, um, you know, he he was born in 1879, but he grew up in a, a middle class Jewish family in Germany, and at age five he was given a compass. And that kind of mystified him to uh, the idea of invisible forces. And then later on, you know, he, as he gets into uh, grade school and above, you know, he's kind of focused on certain areas, and he's not really the best student. I mean, he doesn't do his work in the other subjects. And the, he had a very strict schoolmaster in Germany, and they, they didn't like him, and they, they basically told him he wasn't going to amount to anything. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think, uh, you know, that he was given that sort of sentence early on. But, you know, he had this sort of informal tutor, and he, and he was given a child science book. And this is way ahead of its time, if you think about it, because this is the late 1800s. You know, and the question in this children's book was, what, what would it be like if you could ride alongside an electrical charge and a telegraph wire? What a, what a concept in the late 1800s, because yes. they were just getting into those kind of things. And Einstein was, he had his own idea. He goes, well, what if that were a beam of light? What would it be like to ride next to a beam of light? So uh, those are the kind of things that kind of inspired him early on. I think there is a lesson here for parents, you know, is you never know what will inspire your child. You, I mean, they could take a certain subject and just start running and be very interested, go on to the next one. So it is good to uh, expose them to different, um, different ideas and different subjects. And the other, the other one might be, is don't always listen to naysayers about their prospects. Um, That's you know, awesome. Some kids take longer to develop, right? Yes. Yes. That is, uh, that is a fantastic lesson. We have got Alan K. Patch with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast and Boulder to Boulder on uh, TuneIn, iTunes, of course, iHeartRadio and uh, Radio Loyalty. Now... What was what was some of the other things that intrigued you about Einstein? What were some of the high points of his career? 
Well, uh, here we go. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of go through this briefly, but in 1905, that was his real groundbreaking year because he, he came up with four major papers on atomic theory, including the most famous one, which is E equals MC squared. Now, what that really means is energy equals mass times the you know, speed of light squared. And, uh, but that was groundbreaking, but it took a little time for people to really understand it. In 1921, he gets Nobel Peace Prize, um, but by 1932, he leaves Germany as, as Hitler's coming to power, and uh, a great many Jewish people emigrated from Germany during that time. He ends up in Princeton uh, University in the United States, um, where he starts doing even more research. But here's one of the major events uh, that occurred right before, uh, you know, the, in the time of World War II, is, is he advised FDR on the power of atomic energy. And that's kind of what got the whole Manhattan Project started to develop the atomic bomb. As we know, the Germans were working on it, and uh, so he was warning FDR that they better get their own program going. Fantastic. We have got Alan K. Patch with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast talking about Einstein. Einstein's brain is the topic today. And, of course, uh, check out akpatchauthor.com for more information on uh, Patch's books. He's got an amazing, amazing book series. Go over and check that out, akpatchauthor.com. Now, when did he die and what happened to his brain, Alan? Well, you know, he died in 1955, and just as a quick aside to you, you know, one of his great disappointments is that his father never got to witness any of his success. His father had his doubts about him when he was young, but his father passed away and never got to see him succeed. But yeah, he did die in 1955, and here's Here's the crazy thing. Without permission, the pathologist, his name was Thomas Harvey, he removed Einstein's brain within so many hours of his death because he wanted to study it. He wanted to try to see if he could figure out what made this guy so brilliant, what made him a genius. And he took pictures of the brain, cut it into pieces, and stored them in two jars. But, you know, he lost his job at the place he worked, and he ended up moving to Wichita, Kansas. Oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Freaking Wichita, Kansas, of all places. Yeah, you know, uh, you know. That's awesome. The thing is, he, he moved there. He kept the brain segments. In he kept the brain. He he moved. You know, pe people are Alan. People are always worried about moving with dogs or moving with pets. What about moving with brains? That's <laughs> amazing. Especially someone's so famous uh, brain that that you know, nobody knew what happened to it. But he kept it in a cider box under a beer cooler for 22 years. Fantastic. You know, and finally he does give it up to science. He gives it up to science eventually. I mean, and so that they can actually do more studies on it. And, and so here, here's the interesting part of this. The early studies, you know, they, they of course, you know, were, were looking at gray matter that had, you know, been, that had been preserved for all those many years. And they're trying to do studies on it. And they started to weigh it uh, to look at how big it was in certain areas and possibly, uh, you know, different connections within the brain. They had determined earlier on that uh, maybe it was the anatomy of the brain where certain sections were bigger or connected better that caused him to be such a genius and have this kind of, you know, ability to think beyond uh, the average person uh, into these concepts of uh, quantum physics and atomic energy and things like that. 
But here's the story. Uh, when they did the later studies, they decided that maybe some of that information was inconclusive. So we really still don't know, you know, what, you know, the source of wow. genius is. You know, maybe if they had a more freshly harvested brain, they could evaluate it with today's technology. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's still a bit of a mystery. Absolutely uh, amazing. Jiggy, we all have our wonderful, uh, you know, different part. We're, we're somewhat the same, but we have little differences, but they still haven't figured out that. They just haven't figured out Einstein's brain yet. Well, this is awesome. We have got uh, Alan Patch with us today, and of course, uh, Alan has these incredible books. Check out akpatchauthor.com. Alan Patch's fast-paced adventure novels bring history to life in the Delphi series. Passage of Delphi is the first novel in the series exploring the confluence of the past, present, and future with ordinary people tossed into extraordinary situations. Of course, Delphi's chosen continues the adventure, but now the characters are volunteers rather than victims. He invites readers along for the thrilling ride and explores the difference between heroism and celebrity in the context of the past and present culture. Now, you've got this uh, third book. Tell us about the third book in the series, Alan. Yeah, the third book is Journey from Delphi, and uh, it completes the series. But, you know, this is kind of a gritty and sort of action-packed series. That the, uh, it involves the past, and the future. It's not really necessarily for the squeamish. You know, there's, there's, there's a romantic end to it, too, but it's true to life then and now. And uh, that's part of the interesting, you know, being an author is being able to take all these these incidences from history and blended into a story that involves what happened in the past, what was sacrificed in the past to get us to where we are now, and then bring it into the near future, which is where the last book goes, Journey from Delphi, and uh, the challenges of, of the near future. So for me, uh, loving all these different subjects throughout history, I get to blend all of that with uh, you know my military experience. I, I spent 26 years in the Navy. And uh, to be able to kind of combine and blend all this into a story. But the last book is Journey from Delphi. And I would encourage your listeners to go to Amazon and look up Passage of Delphi and, and, and take a look at that first book. Get into the series. Uh, um, my goal is to draw you in and get you into the characters and the, and the story and the adventure and kind of sweep you away. That's what I'm hoping. Fantastic. Well, uh, well, Alan, I appreciate you making time for us today, as always. And uh, thanks for coming on, and we uh, hope to talk to you again next week, my friend. Always a pleasure, Jiggy. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. There he goes, Alan K. Patch, akpatchauthor.com. And that wraps it up here. We will see you next time here on a big broadcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.